Bitches. I'm Janissia and when I say bitches, I really mean it in a nice, warm, friendly way. Like, hey bitches, welcome to the sisterhood. A suburb for the sorority. A gown for the girls. <laughs> Hi, I'm Purnima, part of this gown for the girls. And despite decades of the patriarchy trying to pit me against other women, here I am on this podcast, safe, secure and very, very, very happy in the company of a fabulous lady person. <laughs> a lady person who just barely qualified as a lady person. Just about like sliding in there underneath that closing door. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're obviously talking, I don't know whether it's obvious, but we're talking about uh competition between women you when we say that you're probably thinking about intersexual competition or as dolly parton famously said Jolene, 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 Jolene. so we're going to go there today dolly but also to other places like we're going to talk about professional and social competition and of course of course there's sexual competition so i just want to start by saying that there's always been this idea that women aren't as competitive as men like it's some sort of bio- biological uh, immovable reality that we are not wired to compete you know unless you know the prize is the man (laughs) it's like oh my god amazing prize a man (laughs) yay (laughs) but you know competition in itself can be good like people who are competitive they get paid more they can inspire other people to be more productive so there were these sociologists who decided to compare men and women's reactions to the fallout of what Uh, professional competition is. So they asked men and women, does competition make people work harder? Does it hurt people's self-esteem? Will it build character? Will it damage self-confidence? You know, questions like that. Like, does it help people to set goals or does it create enemies amongst people? And uh, does it divide people or does it lead to cheating? So they compared uh, responses between men and women and they found that women were kind of more inclined to believe that competition had negative social outcomes. And men were like, competition is good, you know, like pissing contest type reactions. It's quite an interesting way to look at it. But I think there's more to this whole women reacting negatively to competition, which we are going to unpack, right? Right. I mean, fundamentally, I don't understand the notion of competition. I mean, I get it. I know the meaning of the word. But who I am as a person, I've never been comfortable with competition or considering myself as somebody who would want to compete for anything. I mean, my thinking has always been why kill someone and walk over their dead body to do something on your own where you can collaborate with someone and create something that neither of you could have done alone you know I mean it's fewer dead bodies more drinking buddies everybody wins yeah fewer dead bodies more drinking buddies is like you know it's (laughs) t-shirt slogan worthy Yeah, but I've been told by many people and especially in my 20s and especially by my peers, not by older people, that because I lack the killer instinct, the quote unquote killer instinct, I'll never be successful. And I am not successful, but I'm very happy. So, yay, you know, all my life, like I've heard about how I need to be more competitive and I've just never felt that way. So the flip is. I have this mantra that it's not a competition unless I'm winning. <laughs> so it's like I'm winning. Although it's a competition, I won. <laughs> you know, but the truth is, you're right. I always think to myself that I'm really competitive, but I I don't think I am because I'm definitely not very successful, except in terms of like life and like having hot friends and stuff like that. And um, present company included, by the way. But it's like, it's interesting actually to see how competition manifests 
with women because most women don't consider themselves competitive okay but the truth is that we perform competition in ways yeah. that are different from men i looked at a couple of uh, research papers all right women because they have to compete with other women at the same level uh, rather than upwards or downwards what happens is we have strategies of competition so one of the strategies is to avoid direct interference with another woman's goals okay we also disguise competition we right. present in certain ways what we are doing as in a competitive way is very insidious we only in fact compete in an overt way when we have a high status in our communities so this is where you will see you know women who are quite senior in some companies or women who have high status in a social setting that's where the i think where the mean girl behavior comes from that you are in a high position in your social hierarchy so you can kind of cut somebody else down you right. do that overtly otherwise you wouldn't dare from the minion levels and right. how that high status kind of thing works is that it's meant to kind of enforce some sort of conformity in the community so what you do is like if you see suddenly one chick you know typically the words used would be like acting too big for her boots who does she right. think she is whatever what they do is they kind of talk to other women and kind of gently socially exclude this girl who is acting too big for her boots so right. you're enforcing equality because everyone is very uncomfortable with one person kind of rising to a certain level and it's it's weird it's something that it's like a baggage that we have because we tend to evaluate each other in terms of niceness in terms of solidarity showing and all even though it's quite performative in some places i also feel like for example i just said that oh i'm not into competition and you know i'm above it and all of that but even someone like me or someone who doesn't you know want to subscribe to the the idea of a race cannot help but be sucked into an environment if it is competitive even if one person in that environment is competitive then i think everybody else gets sucked in and everybody has a role to play in that competition you know like you know i didn't choose the competitive life the competitive life chose me <laughs> and i i think i mean i learned it like super super early you know it starts from school in where you know stupid like middle school boys will put girls in different categories so like i was always because you know like the fat girl is always the best friend so you know you're put in that kind of category and then in the workplace it became really really serious because i just tell you like a short little like story <laughs> from being a young professional in my 20s and i was like one of those completely over sincere crazy hard working never going home endless night edits you know always looking like shit because you know what's a shower anyway um <laughs> and uh, i and i did good work you know i'd like to think i did good work and everybody appreciated the work and then there was this uh, young lady who shall be called neha who was like extremely conventionally beautiful and articulate and always well put together um i never figured out how she like was always so neat looking <laughs> but um she had this knack of like popping up during creative meetings and you know she would nod her head very wisely and then as soon as the work required to be was required to be done she would like vanish so i would do the work so i guess you would say that she and i had very different philosophies to how to ri rise up the ranks 
and maybe hair care. Def- definitely hair care and like general <laughs> hygiene, I would say at that time. <laughs> if you're listening, kids, please brush your teeth and have a shower on a regular basis. But you know, she got a lot of attention and I didn't care about that because I was always like, I'm above it. I don't care. I'll just, you know, Absolutely. do my own thing. And then what happened was that there was this like really high stakes meeting with this very fancy advertising agency in, uh, you know, in Delhi. Everybody in, in our little tiny little office was really excited and hyped up about it. And I created all of the groundwork for it and the presentation. And when it came time to, okay, who's going to go to this like fancy, you know, meeting, I was cut out of the deal. And this girl, Neha with a capital M, was selected to go for this meeting to basically present my work. And the explanation given to me on my face was because she has the right look. And I have spent like 20 years of my life hating on her. And even like the way that I've told this story, it's been like, you know, she's like the central villain of the piece. But actually, it's, you know, the spawn of Satan male bosses who created who created the conflict and the competition in the first place. Because, I mean, I'm sure she fed off of it and she knew what was going on. She wasn't that clueless. But where's the, the man in all of this? Like, he created this situation by exploiting my labor and rewarding her for my work. You know, he created that imbalance and he created this, like, very dramatic Saas Bahu serial, Ekta Kapoor serial type situation. Yeah. You know, there is this idea of women who are hating on other women, but there is this underpinning, there are these other dynamics that are yeah. playing out. And I have always, always, always wondered, you know, I think about this incident a lot and I've always wondered what was in it for that guy, for the male boss who created this conflict between uh, Neha and me. What was in it for him? Was it a deliberate thing he was doing or is it just that because he's a guy and he's used to walking through the world in a very entitled sort of way, so he just didn't give a shit and he created this situation out of nothing? I don't know, you know. So... So I've heard, I've had heard stories uh, from uh, men who I knew who would say, it was like guys who worked in advertising or guys who worked in television, where you had to pitch to a client. So you're taking a bunch of, a team from your office and you're pitching to a client, okay? And often, if it was an all-male group, okay, uh, uh, these guys would openly say, hey man, where are the chicks? Hey, how come Mm. you don't have any women at this meeting? So it didn't matter how much work you did. If you could bring in a, you know, just uh, two silicone breasts and a big hair wig, you know, it would be job done because the entire uh, working environment is very patriarchal. So to some extent, that boss is probably pandering to some client's idea of, you know, what's going to be a fun meeting for him, put him in a good mood so he's give you the go ahead. And what happens, we somehow get caught up in this thing of arguing with each other because there is this entire huge invisible thing at play. But Neha, bless her, and Neha is a very common person in a lot of companies. And this is always something I've been very conflicted about because I worked in a largely female um, organization. We were all very young. We were all, I was amongst the youngest, but nobody was over 24 years old. So we got that reputation of being a workplace with very young journalists and always standing out wherever we went. And I wasn't aware of how we were coming across other people. But I know that people began talking about us as an organization where the hot women, women would show up, even whether you consider yourself hot or not. It was just like, Gross. in your 20s, means though you're like, oh man, here come those chicks from that newspaper. And there was 
by and large there was decent camaraderie amongst the women because they were all mostly quite uh, hard working and everything but we had a boss with a uh, now quite famously documented ladai to mm-hmm. put it very mildly and uh, there were promotions and there were kind of gigs see there's a you know a junket or a six month gig in another city in the uk for example which were being handed out like prizes to people who didn't rock the boat and if say a person was in line for getting a certain kind of promotion but another chick who was not as aggressive got that promotion what happens is 20 years down the line you can say oh you know that guy he harassed me but the fallout of that is that there's another person who was over who was overlooked for that promotion because she wasn't playing ball who is very angry at two people not one person there are two victims and one of those victims is um silent victim so this mm-hmm. there it's a very very conflicting thing to say but neha did neha play the game and win did she play the patriarchy yeah. and win and so yeah. i'm saying that you're entitled to be irritated by that while being cognizant of the fact that you know the game is really bad and the whole environment is really bad yeah i'm an equal opportunity hater in this instance <laughs> but <laughs> but but i i do feel like the the way in which it all played out i have more hate towards you know the the bosses at that time the men because they held the power card if they chose to you know take neha out of the equation they could do it the next day and she'd be as crude as i was so it wasn't as if neha was playing the game in any kind of way where she would have control right so in this competition that has been created between me and neha none none of us have control actually and and it is by virtue of us being competitors the only scenario in which we could have had any kind of power or control would have been if both she and i said i'm sorry spawn of satan we're not going to play your game not today or if the male boss was enlightened enough to say hey there's something truly messed up going on over here and rise above and be more politically aware and be a nicer human being so i don't see any other scenario in which neha would not play the game or you know i would play the game or whatever yeah. no it's i think it's impossible to imagine in certain ways because it's really like a parallel universe i can't imagine guys thinking that you know forget even if your spawner satan boss wasn't bad all right even if he wasn't mm. uh, an enlightened kind of guy kids will be like oh man there's this like re- creepy like uncle over there who's hoping i bring some chicken and it's all about putting him in a good mood and i think those are the pressures that even we saw this you know with the me to movement and we saw this with whatever like guys just have this unsaid solidarity amongst themselves yeah. their brotherhood operates on a very instinctive very fluid level whereas yeah. women's uh, sisterhoods seem to kind of just be something that we kind of cobble together momentarily we don't think about it we are we are very vulnerable to these outside forces yes. you know and this is the thing that i want to talk about even how sisterhoods are represented in say uh, literature or on television or in films like for example like in that elena ferrante's uh, four books okay she talks about um, a relationship between her and her best friend and over those four books which is which is like a span of a lifetime there is a lot of rivalry there is you know professional rivalry there's sexual rivalry one of them does well one of them conforms and gets married one of them their children disappears child disappears and 
it's really complicated and i think it's beautifully fleshed out because a right. sisterhood with a genetic person is one thing a, a sisterhood you form as a child with your best friend or whatever you know is right. uh, a more complicated and um, like even in you know that movie pink remember those four oh. girls living together in that flat now when i watched that film i was very familiar with this four girls who are from smaller towns or from out of a city living together and they are being introduced to several concepts simultaneously there's anonymity there's independence and there's also sisterhood yeah a lot of them have been raised to trust other women they've been raised in these very tight patriarchal parochial things where like oh that one's a mother in law that one's a what whatever she's going to fuck with me that one's going to yeah. fuck with me So I thought pink from a sociological perspective was quite idealistic because I have been to those households where three of her girls live together and it's not always very rosy it can be quite bleak. Uh, right. So so I'm saying that where do our ideas of sisterhood uh, where do they come from like the movie little women for example four sisters biological sisters but at some yeah. point there is a sexual rivalry between the between Jo and her youngest sister over Lori. Right, right. So, right. Um, so like they have serious breakdowns. They like in in the books they have serious breakdowns of trust, and you know it's not just like these cute little fights that they have. Like Joe and Amy really go at it. They have yeah. like seminal fights yeah. that can because that you remember all your life. But but right. So where do you, what do you pick up? Like I'm reading Karishma Upadhyay's book right now about Parveen right. Babi. Okay. Right. And Parveen. Babi, the it's fantastic because she walks in into Bombay and suddenly she's in this it crowd and you know she's right. come from this it crowd where like her contemporaries were like hotties like Malika Sarbhai and you know those and when she comes to Bombay she's hanging out with like Prathima Bedi and all of these mm. cool people and as she gets more successful she gets edged out of these little sororities and of course it doesn't help that she's very attractive to the men in like Kabir Bedi falls in love with her. or yeah. like mahesh pat falls in love with her and so suddenly you're like you have a uh, challenge the status quo yeah and the sorority will throw you out because you have broken one of those unsaid rules yeah yeah i think to exist in a sisterhood that is not like a familial sisterhood as in you're not like actually sisters you know raised in the same household that can be quite challenging as you grow older especially you know i think like the easiest sisterhoods are like what you form in school and college yeah. once you kind of outgrow the school and college learning phase and you step out into the adult world you know finding sisterhoods and finding your tribes becomes a little bit tricky like i have to kind of like censor my behaviors in many ways the only space i think where women can truly uh, form sisterhoods is i don't know if there's some kind of trauma that binds them there are these social things like i just want to bitch about rose day okay in colleges please do like the first the first time i knew i was not really a woman was on rose day because there was a subtle competition about who got the most roses and it's just something i knew i was going to like not even be in the reckoning for which was fine and i begged my mother i said please don't send me to please don't send me to college i beg of you just don't and she was like oh no you have to go it's really important maybe you'll get a rose i'm like she also said maybe you'll get a rose like she had also zero like illusions about my attractiveness and then Uh, it was really embarrassing because i was sitting down there and like friend on the, you know and i've always had hot friends so that really goes to show that i have no sexual competition gene whatever and everyone's getting roses and i'm sitting down there thinking okay this is just humiliating now and then my first cousin 
blood relative runs in and gives me a rose and gives all the other fat girls in the class a rose and runs out with this beatific oh, smile like he had done the mo- he's like the mother teresa of like you know <laughs> girls validation like sad girls and I, i mean i was like just take this rose just, just kill it like i'll eat it i'll spit it out you know and you i stuffed it into my bag so at least i could just maintain that uh, sanctity of not having even gotten one you know you know who like, that guy is that guy is every guy who tells who'll walk up to you and he'll be your best friend and everything and he'll say you're so wonderful i don't know why you're single <laughs> he's yeah. that guy i'll be yeah. like fuck her then date me if you yeah, well, think i'm so wonderful then date me yeah but you know but you can you can still be disgusting and still have high standards i think that's something guys don't understand <laughs> it's like <laughs> no sorry i'm unattractive to you <laughs> like hello <laughs> in general so you know here's what i find the most astounding is that now we have like the scenario in which women are getting aggressive at each other and competing with each other and through all of this i've always noticed there'll be that like guy who's in the middle of it and he'll be completely doe-eyed innocent and if you ask him you know hey you know do you have any stake in this game and he'll be like you know i don't get involved in women's conflicts and i stay above it all and i mean they're the they're the pivot around which all of this a lot of this competition is happening you know like rose day is a typical example but i really i mean if i had to be even a little bit generous i would say that i don't think men actively or like consciously choose to pit women against each other like i don't think that's why they get up in the morning to say hey you know which two women can i get to like scratch each other's eyes out but again you know the 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 general sense of entitlement general apathy with which towards women with which they walk through the world it really does create the environment for these competitions yeah. to arise and they're you know when to change it i'm saying yeah, that you know yeah. they're not doing anything to change it like uh, you know when you, you talked about removing them they're actively removing themselves by acting like they they don't uh, they're not involved like they'll be like oh i don't get involved in women's business that's the stuff that really irritates me you know yeah i agree but you know it's very difficult to pinpoint like i don't want to give men a bone here but yeah. i don't think they can even recognize this, some of these things they see it yeah. as being that yeah i think i think generally it's Uh, they don't also need they're not required to pick up on these you know tiny subtle signals right but i do want to like talk about you know the reality of my experience especially in the last 10 years has been the opposite of working in a competitive environment with women so there is also a world in which women work with women or women uh, cohabit with women and it is the most fruitful sort of environment that i could have never imagined in a space where men are leaders you know yeah. and i've had like three work situations in the recent past where women have taken leadership positions and i've had women bosses and they they are not perfect women they are flawed women and it's not as if you know there's a halo around their heads but i don't know they've just made the workplace easier and more compassionate for other women and uh, like the best amongst them have actively advocated for women and taken on toxic masculinity um but even the ones that haven't the ones who are just like you know com- coming to office to get the job done and go back home i just like that women don't waste my time my experience oh. is that 
Absolutely. I mean, they respect because they want because they have other responsibilities at home, and they they just want to like get shit done. And um, so, I, because I'm very biased in this regard, and I always feel like women are better than men in many respects. I did yeah. sort of like speak to a friend of mine who who's a guy, and he's worked with women bosses, and he has like a fairly negative take on women who are bosses. um because he he's frustrated at how hard they try to be leaders in a space that he he actually said that to me he said that you know i think women try too hard to be respected and seen as a leader you know they cross the line into being aggressive or being poor listeners or not being open in a certain sense so he seen a bit ditch all the feminine all the feminine cliches right yeah i mean i mean uh, he's coming from his biases as much as i'm coming from my biases yeah. but i but he was really painting the picture for this like devil wears prada meryl streep sort of you know archetype this indira gandhi type of uh, yeah. like be hard as nails and really you know balls to the wall kind of attitude like i cannot allow for softness <laughs> because then i will lose this competition so that was also interesting in terms of like what competition can do to us as human beings you know how it messes with our brains or how it changes our brain so a friend of mine she herself is an excellent female boss and she refuses to work with female bosses and it's just so difficult to align yourself to what she's saying because she's one of those women who will stop a conference call or we'll say one second hold on because you know she has a child at home who's ill and she's take a phone call surrounded by eight guys in the meeting and she does it in such a blase way i just love it but at the same time she is a very attractive woman and she felt she feels she's always had some sexual rivalry thing going on with whichever female boss she's worked with so her experience has been completely different and she's not aggressive she does not have she's very empathetic she's a good listener and she's very successful so i think these individual instances confuse me i feel that it becomes it's very personal i yeah yeah I, so i've only had one opportunity in my life to be a woman boss and i was very particular that i want to change the workspace so um you know people who might not be hired necessarily because, you know like people like single mothers Yeah. Whom maybe other other employers may think twice about hiring because they might think she have too many like you know personal hassles. Correct. I would go out of my way to make sure that we offered a job to that person. So I did try to do those things, but but yeah, I mean I understand this idea of the aggressive female leader, and I wonder to to what extent people play that role. You know, in fact. there's this um, american best selling author and she's a spiritual life coach and a, and a television host called ayanla van zant i hope i'm pronouncing her name correctly and she has this like show on youtube and one of the episodes was on women who compete with other women and at the end of it she had this quote which i like you know saw i saw this in the morning and i had to like transcribe it immediately and it was like why can't women get along because we're afraid afraid to be vulnerable afraid to be soft we're afraid to be hurt and most of all we are afraid of our power so we become controlling and aggressive and vicious because no one taught us how not to be why can't women get along because we've been taught it's better to be bad than to be powerful when i read this my immediate reaction was ha huh? uh and 
I would have thought like if she hadn't mentioned the word women so often, I would have thought someone's talking about men in our society. Yeah. You know, because we always talk about men who are really uh, toxic and aggressive because no one told them they could be soft. And that that is powerful as well. I'm interested to know how you respond to this. So my professional life has been like really tempered by my personal life. It's just been like that. So it's I find it, I'm, I'm cautious about using my personal experience in this. But I can tell you that I have definitely postured as much more aggressive uh, to succeed. And power has never been you know it's really funny you have to work really hard to survive I think in a professional environment people don't talk about that especially when you're younger you are peddling much faster than the a man who is your contemporary at that time you're paid a little less you're working hard a little bit more and you're treated like a bit of an idiot so this presenting as soft and presenting as vulnerable does not work Right. It just doesn't. I'm telling you. And in fact, I had a really, 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 really horrible boss uh, at one point. And uh, one day we had to present something and he was drawing out the whole process, refusing to take it to the uh, big boss. So what I did was I took the presentation and the scripts and I went to the big boss and said, listen, man, I have to go home now. You have a look at these things and can you just clear it? Because this dude is not going to do anything right now all right and right. it was a really big risk to take but I was so desperate Purtima, because you know I lived alone I was 22 years old I would take a taxi back from town alone I didn't want to sit till one o'clock in the morning in the office and right. it so happened that that boss had just been waiting thinking that we were delaying it and I still don't know what the game my immediate boss was playing was but the next day he was spitting fire at me and he kind of came into the office and tried to publicly humiliate me, surrounded by these offers. He said, you know, why do you do that and everything? So I told him, listen, somebody had to take the decision to take that uh, presentation across. And believe me, I was trying to posture as aggressive, but I wanted to cry inside. I was so frightened. And he looked at me, he said, yeah, okay, Janissia, you be the man, all right? You be the man here. <laughs> wow. And I looked at him and I swear, I have never had a good retort. But I looked at him, I said, well, somebody had to be. And I turned around and it was just like, yeah, I'm saying I'm still dining out on that one. Okay. Cause it's never happened. But that you know, awesome. that was his insult. That was his freaking insult. You be the man. I'm like, dude, look at me. I don't think it's an insult to be called a man or to be called gay or to be called a garbage truck. It's all my dearest, like my dad called me a garbage bin once. So just relax, you know, <laughs> but I'm saying, that's a whole know, other episode. That's a whole other episode lesson but I'm saying that you know this is the sort of aggression like you know you show drive or you show something and actually you don't even know when you're being blocked yeah this is what cock blocked here right yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> this cock is blocking me you know <laughs> and, like I've also worked with women like that um so it's 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 like it's like who am I compete I can't compete with everyone for fuck's sake man like no and I think I think like I I truly believe that sisterhoods can work you know I don't think that there's something inherently wrong with like groups of women working in one place and it's you know it's a very outdated you know I think like 1980s stardust <laughs> magazine <laughs> conversations about you know uh, Rekha hates Shabana hates whoever. Sorry, my Bollywood knowledge is complete crap. But I mean, these are all really outdated conversations, I feel. And we've all benefited from having 
sisterhoods, whether they're like blood relations, sisterhoods or not, we've all been in it. We know ones that work. And for me, sisterhoods are about, you know, safety and trust, listening and solidarity and, you know, kind of rising above your individual concerns and you meet on a higher plane with other women. And I, I want to take like two minutes to talk about this absolutely amazing therapy exercise. Okay. Um, which I encountered at a very, you know, dark time in, in my life when I was feeling particularly unsupported. And yeah. um, so, so this is like a typical ther- therapy situation where it's just you and, and the therapist in the room. And at, at one point when all the talking is done, you know, there's only so much you can talk through stuff. Yeah. Uh, because like true hurt and grief and trauma can exist in the body, right? And I think for many women, it is that. And this is perhaps a feeling that a lot of men might not understand. You know, there are women carry trauma in a very particular way. And it can be intergenerational trauma. So it doesn't have to be just my trauma in this current time. Um, So at at one point, like she asked me to stand up and I, I stood up and she asked me to close my eyes. And then she kind of stepped behind me and just put, uh, and uh, her hand on my shoulder and she said feel the sensation of my palm on your shoulder and that's me supporting you so I took a deep breath and I was like okay you know fairly skeptical uh, as I always am about most yeah. things I find most things hokey but anyway I said let's go along with it then she said now imagine there are two other women standing behind me with their hands on my shoulder uh, you know they're they're my my mother and my grandmother so I said okay fine uh, then she said now there is a, the, the previous generation to that standing behind those women and they have their hand on uh, the women's shoulders and those women have their hands on my shoulders and I have my hand on your shoulder and it went on like that for a while and pretty soon you know the room was filled with women who are all connected through touch you know and yeah it all manifests in my therapist's hand, which is on my shoulder. And it was such a powerful, deeply powerful moment. And I I don't think I felt support like that ever in my real life because it went to like my gut, right? And this was, uh, I mean, 15 years ago. And even today when I start to feel that way again, like feel profoundly unsupported and adrift in the world, I can summon that feeling because it was at a body level. So I can go back and recreate that moment. And it is, there's something very beautiful about a sisterhood that transcends location and transcends time. And I feel like women have always carried that power and it kind of freaks the hell out of men when they sometimes witness it, you know, in a, in a woman's eyes, sisterhoods can be like extremely potent. And I think it really scares men a lot. And it's really sad because if men would open up and embrace the power of a sisterhood, I think sisterhoods have tremendous power to shake the foundations of toxic structures, really. Also, sisterhoods actually are really good for men as well. I think that's something, I, absolutely. you know, like, so there is a So there are biological reactions in our bodies to stress. Like when you're stressed out, this like cortisol gets released, okay? And then over time, oxytocin comes in, which kind of counters that production of cortisol. What happens is men release much smaller amounts of oxytocin than women. 
so they feel this whole fight or flight thing damn damn intensely like you know they either they'll bottle up or they'll whatever but as women our natural tendency because we generate more oxytocin is to do that thing where we reach out and so in competition aside our reaction to stress is to be social and maybe that it also works because our traumas are remembered collectively and what guys don't realize and maybe that's something they need to learn is that they if they are invested in this thing the power of the woman's uh, womanhood or sisterhood can actually protect them from toxic patriarchy because Absolutely. all men are not alpha males all men are not cut out for this i would say just 10% of these men get the attention because you know they are cut out most of the men i know actually struggle with the patriarchy as much as we do and right. or maybe not as much but quite a bit and actually if you had an equitable system at your office where you looked at you you know you regarded the uh, productivity not in terms of gender not in terms of looks or you know neha's hairdo on that day <laughs> but, neha you know, neha but you know the generic neha uh, also the thing is you know even things that for example when you said that you know you want to give uh, opportunities to somebody say a single mother or yeah. someone who is you know is struggling all right men struggle like that too and actually those are the guys who kind of just fall through the cracks like yeah. a guy who has say relative with special needs plus aging parents who is single himself <clears throat> imagine the kind of work he has to do and how capitalism is not built to kind of facilitate yeah. his growth or his survival all right so if you have a sisterhood though that's in charge they see beyond these obvious posturing they're like okay dude uh, maybe we can organize this a little bit better maybe we can bring down competition to healthy levels rather than it becoming one of those dead bodies versus versus drinking buddies thing to use <laughs> your example your and so me like i operate in a lot of non male environments i have three children so i talk to teachers i stand at the school gate with mostly mums you know we go to the park where there's mostly mums though now now there are some dads because they've sussed that some of the mums are hot so you know there's like it's quite <laughs> so yeah it's bless them so you know how solidarity manifests with us is that for example if somebody's child gets lice okay it's a real scandal right <laughs> because it's like your kid immediately becomes the leper of the school bus there's lice shaming that happens yes. there should be lice shaming purnima it's an important part of life like if you have lice you should be shamed it is just let's not like rock that lice was like a rite of passage like like chicken pox everybody but twice is okay if like otherwise it becomes like are these your new pets like people have cacti and are you a millennial and these lice are your pets no? okay lice is not a good thing and <laughs> lice is not a good thing yeah let's put this in the promo anyway so so basically like suppose now somebody's child has lice there are two ways of handling one is like oh my fucking god xyz ha- neha has lice okay. <laughs> but but the way the sister would handles it is very quietly you text a couple of people who sat next to neha and said hey man don't make a big deal about it can you please check your kids hair to show <laughs> to see whether they got it from my kid or did my kid get it from your kid that way there's no shaming there's gentle support the problem is solved and you know i think we naturally we naturally want to do this we actually don't give a shit about like bringing each other down like for example even you see street harassment and the kind of solidarity it kind of immediately yeah. like yeah. i divide women into women who react to street har- somebody else's street harassment and who don't react okay and uh, i mean i have a second point to that which i'll come to like 
the whole thing about how when you there was this fantastic story a couple of years ago on twitter about this woman who saw a teenage girl being harassed on a plane okay. and she started like tweeting about it also but she walked up to that girl uh, she, and the girl was being harassed by a much older man and she got that man like arrested and got that girl out of danger and that's the sort of way we look out for each other because this whole shared trauma thing is right. supposed to make us much more alert and much more vigilant even about each other right so if i see somebody being harassed on the street i will run and help them or that whole thing about if you know somebody is being followed you right. go up to them and say hey hi how are you like i saw two girls wearing hijab on uh, my road uh, when i was going for a run and there was this old uncle he was standing too close to them and i walked up to them and i said listen uh, you know this guy or what and i just didn't make eye contact with him and they both <laughs> they were like 15 years old and their eyes flew open and they both shook their heads but wouldn't say a word okay and this guy started yelling at me who are you who are you who are you and i looked at him and i said you know you don't have to listen to him right and he freaked out and he was like a 55 year old guy and these 15 year olds i just hope that they know there's a freaking angry auntie on the road on the, like she's in their team and that's the kind of sisterhood that i, I want to engender multi generational you know across like you said behind and forward and sideways like yeah. we should protect each other and men should also be protected or feel like don't feel threatened by us one of the most delightful fallouts of the whole me too movement which in india which was which had some very serious obvious flaws definitely but one of the most delightful things that came out of it was that men suddenly woke up to the awareness that there are all of these whisper networks that Uh, women have always had we've always known right i mean yeah. if there's like that like chintu who keeps staring at your breasts or if there's the creepy boss who always wants you to stay beyond like you know office hours or one horrible uncle ji in the family you know whisper networks do function and for the longest time men have not really had access to those whisper networks at all and when the me too movement you know especially on social media when it kind of like cracked everything open and all of these lists came out and and stuff like that i think it was one of the more delightful moments for me because yeah. uh, the collective teacups dropped they were yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then of course like they went into the oh how can you like have this sense of guerrilla justice and they were like sitting on their high horse as if you know they're yeah. like approaching the supreme court for every egregious thing that happens to them but it was really good for women to really even symbolically just join hands together and those string of dms that happened where everybody was comparing notes do you know this creepy guy do you know that creepy guy and i think that's one of the first times you and i actually connected yeah. um we had a creepy guy conversation on dm yeah. you know that's yeah. that was kind of like the early stages of our friendship as well so i think women have all always had like underground sisterhoods of a certain kind and we we do bicker and we have some serious issues with each other but at the end of the day there is this sort of symbolic joining of hands in in many ways um but i do want to talk about like some of the major obstacles to sisterhood which is definitely like i mean i'd love to keep blaming men till the cows come home but in the me too movement what happened was that it really like plintered the different feminisms that we have 
in our country and if we were laboring under any notions that there was some kind of you know political sisterhood where all indian women come together because they are similarly oppressed i think that was really shattered and you had all of these different groups of feminists that were um, at odds with each other yeah. you know the older yeah. feminists who were like really like were feeling quite hurt because they said you know we've created this world for young feminists to be able to do what they they can do and then there were the young feminists who were mad at the older feminists because they said you're still tied down by patriarchy you're still defending patriarchal structures then there was you know when raya sarkar's list came out there was all of this backlash uh, because she doesn't come from an upper caste background so there was a lot of shit that she had to endure because of her social you know and caste location i think sisterhoods for sisterhoods to succeed everyone has to get like super real about the other uh, divisions that exist in society yeah because different cultures perform sisterhood in different ways i think you know yeah. uh, and it's something that you know we are we accept in so many other ways but we expect our feminisms to be identical we expect our sisterhoods to be identical and i would like to just bring this one like a just a tiny like a, a footnote here my only issue with certain kind of sisterhoods like are you in mm. a hive or are you in a sisterhood because there are sisterhoods that call themselves sisterhoods but there is one patriarch woman yeah is supposed to be the hottest has to be the funniest has to be the best at i don't know disco dancing and she will have chelas and that's what the mean girl thing is which we should not confuse with sisterhoods because mm. the mean girls are not will pull each other down you yeah know? yeah it i found the ageism and the toxicity brought up between like second wave feminists third wave feminists whatever you wanted to define it as i found it very disheartening and not just in india even in the me too movement can we decide on five or six points that we all agree on and then keep the rest of the nuances for later yeah you know? yeah i, I mean it's almost as if there's competition but you have to qualify even to compete you know right i think yeah. it's so meta it's, you know it's it's actually a waste of our energy and i think guys really enjoy kind of seeding those those arguments as well like for example somebody can be a very 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 strong feminist and still like to put up some pretty sexy selfies on instagram and then men are like sitting there with their popcorn and fucking having a good time while two women are fighting about like whether selfies are you know a vanity project or not exactly each wave of feminism is valid nobody's made mistakes what right. was the right guys like i forget what it was like 5 years ago it is i think that it's all discussable like yeah. no one's right or wrong let's fight privately and show a kind of a more a unified front yeah and like standing to neha also you know yeah. show me yeah. your hairdresser also like you know if that's what it takes but maybe on some days you could turn up looking a little shabby what's the what's the harm in that if i had to negotiate with neha today i would also have to present her with the possibility that the that she might she and i might both be happier if we drop out of the game i need to convince people like neha that the game is not worth it that she's not going to win anything if she wins this particular game the thing is that dropping out of the game yeah is also seen as you lost and i don't know about you but i'm telling you as a woman with three children and who doesn't have a full time job in terms of competitiveness if i meet a woman with a full time career especially if she has kids it will come up in conversation it will come up 
in a way that is slightly demeaning to me it will be assumed that you gave up and was not a, and when you give up as a woman it's not seen as any sort of power move it's seen as you lost i don't want to be seen as i lost like no, I but can i tell you what the game what the game actually is and it's so insidious and it's so creepy because here is genesia who has a beautiful family and who's worked very hard at getting wherever she's gotten today she is being shamed for that here i am i've taken the other route you know i've always chased what i want to do in t- terms of my work and i've had complete freedom and i've exercised it i've had ambitions of a certain kind i've gone for it i live a, a good single life without depending on anybody financially so in that sense i'm a success i do work that i enjoy doing i have a lot of freedoms in many ways my life could be seen as a success where people are calling you are not a success right and yet Absolutely. for my, my existence on this planet right now as a 41 year old single woman in india is one where i'm constantly being reminded that i am a failure because i'm not you that i don't have the husband and the house and the kids and the you know th- that framework of a life and i am i'm a yeah. profound failure so we, i'm a profound so, failure yeah. so, so we are being made to feel insecure against yeah. each other constantly you so know? when i oh, say drop out of the game i mean like mentally spiritually we have to as women keep coming back to ourselves and in our gut we know what makes us happy like there is no cell in my body that wants to be a mother you know yeah. even there, there's just i just lack that desire completely so from that point of view if i drown out the voices that are telling me i'm a failure in my gut i feel extremely accomplished uh, and for women who have always wanted to be mothers or who have not always wanted to be mothers but then they became mothers and they loved it and found deep meaning in it that's success and we you have you tell to- them purnima i mean we, we have to tell them purnima stupid <laughs> voices absolutely and i think i think that when we drown out these voices and then then we sort of like zero in on the real work that we need to do and it's very sad because i in the current scenario i feel like the the work that i need to do as a woman kind of leaves men out of like there's no journey in which i feel like i can partner with a man at least not none of the men that i have really met you know i love living outside the competition as much as possible i think yeah. it's more exciting it's more fun fun is a big one for me you know and it gives me the chance it gives me a lot of freedom to create wonderful things in this world because i've dropped out of the competition Yeah. in in many ways that's why i say that like when sister sisterhoods are done well they can completely transform the world i i really and truly believe that you know where you've seen traditionally sisterhoods work is when there's a common enemy and that tends tends to rally people around i mean even when i was researching for this uh, episode i mm. mean the one thing that really uh, moved me was this campaign that went viral last year and it started from chile santiago yeah. in chile and uh, it was just a, an uprising and they had this like rallying cry a very powerful song which was i mean it's called the rapist is you and the audio is is goosebump inducing and it is really just the sisterhood coming together talking to sisters and i did identifying the the real problem you know when you say that a sisterhood is also good for men 
I'm like, which man wants to walk down the street and be confronted by an army of women holding hands and chanting this rallying cry and pointing a finger at him and saying the rapist is you? Which man would want that that mm. kind of a relationship with the sisterhood? So I really feel like when a sisterhood is strong and solid, it compels everybody to change around them. I I really truly believe that. I absolutely agree. And you know, it's it, the only thing is it's so much work. And it's not like it's not the work of one lifetime. Also, I think I think it's absolutely very yeah. deep like you you like i find that the most profound thing that mothers do is that they if they're if they're you know like clued in moms or if they're trying in some way or the other it transmits from them to their kids and kids not just daughters but also sons you know and i, I think like that is the only leeway i'm going to give moms no you're <laughs> right but it is, like it, is, it, is it is furthering your agenda for sure that, that's the only i mean not yeah. leave it sorry that's the wrong thing to say but that's the only attractive reason why i would want to be a mother yeah. you know? you're, and you and let, let me tell you it's your, it's an insurmountable problem still because you can see the next generation of people uh, yeah. and how you're raising their children and you're not entirely sure your own children will survive i mean yeah you have a feminazi 10 year old boy in your house like what are you going to do with him man he's not even they people don't even recognize him as anything you know yeah. so Oh uh, yeah, but I th- I I know that from my own experience with people with the men who I'm related to or the man I'm married to or the families like that, they yeah. are very aware of how potent and how supportive a sisterhood is. Yeah. yeah, and they know how good it is for them, and they know how good it is for their well-being long term. There, it's just it's written in their DNA now. They just know it, and I don't know whether they are still in that position where they will. In- this with other women or support it in other women yeah but they know how to step back from causing sexual competition for example we were mm. watching this uh, a comedy special and there's something about amy schumer that i don't like okay i'm just putting it out there i don't know what it is i find her humor very male or whatever something like that anyway and my husband was crying with laughter <laughs> <laughs> So funny and everything. All right. And somebody I thought, oh my fucking God, suppose he thinks she's hot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was in competition with fucking Amy Schumer. Oh, no. Who is, you know, a mile away. And I looked at him and I thought, you know, I really don't like her, man. I don't think she's funny at all. You want to watch this, you watch this alone. And he started laughing because I was overdoing it, obviously. But it does happen. Like, on this podcast, for example, I'm like... You know, I really find you very funny. And then suppose you're funnier than me overall. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Maybe the end of her. No, I'm just saying in general. Like, it's not like you and I are going to be Nehas or anything like that. But okay, we're going to never use Neha again. Please, all Nehas, please. This was just... Yes, we'd like know. to officially apologize to every Neha who walks this planet. Except that I... one Neha. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I, I only know nice Nehas. <laughs> so, that competitive bitch without even realizing it yourself. And I think yeah. that is, a, as usual, where you come back to. Like, you know, uh, how can I not be competitive? How can I not feel insecure? And, you know, you carry your PTSD from the time you were younger. You've lost out so many times for whatever reason. So it is normal. The, the clincher for me is the stupidity of that kind of competition. I'm too arrogant now to indulge in that stupidity. It's exhausting. And I really have to take a very arrogant position and, and really say I'm better than that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to compete with girls, man. You know, I just don't want to do yeah. it. Like, I'm feeling very uh, aglow with love for all of womankind, including all the Nehas. Of this, <laughs> you know? I mean, 
Okay, so to wrap up, hmm. let's just say that you know, if you want to take away competition and you want to name check certain kind of ideas that you expect from a good working sisterhood, what do hmm. you, what would you like to to see from other women? I want us to actually put all of our energies together to break systems that. Uh, are not suited to us and we shouldn't play the game anymore and we should create our own game that supports all of us together so that we never have to fight again and we should laugh through it and we should all definitely be drinking buddies that's very important <laughs> as opposed to corpses <laughs> i'm telling yeah. you like i want i want like an unspoken female loyalty like i never shout at somebody who is breaking the one way if it's a girl you know <laughs> but if it's a guy i will dead body him immediately like i mean like eh? and then uh, i think that we are supposed to be good at communication so let's communicate and fight but privately like you know let's be really really nuanced but privately and present like this unified front one very very important part of the sisterhood is like boss if i'm asking you what your hair care and beauty tips are please tell me the truth don't tell me bullshit and lies and say oh, it's genetic and all that because i know it's not please tell me what who your facialist is because i'm yeah, getting old yeah you have to tell us if you're wearing spanks or not because yeah, tell us if you're wearing spanks yeah. yeah tell us how many surya namaskars you did in the morning you know like put up a picture of your big stomach sometimes in your close friends list i would like to see that you know yeah and, and tell us uh, if you're sleeping with more than one guy at the same time Yeah, and how your yeah, and how your Excel sheet is dealing with that. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if Neha, if you have lies, <laughs> okay, then it's almost Friday. We gotta <laughs> stop. <laughs> Thursday Bitches is a fortnightly podcast presented and produced by Junisia Alves and Purnima Rao. Podcasting advice and support from the good people of Audiomatic. All views expressed are personal, very personal.